Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 62nd episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. I am back. Yeah! B-A-C-K. Not to get confused with my last name, Black. With me, I have Alan. Hey, that's me. Random fact number 13. When I'm hurt, I don't like someone to ask me if I'm okay. Uh, What do I like to be told, Sean? Shut up! It's true. I know that's weird, but there's reasons why. But yeah, that's me, Alan. That other delightful voice you heard was Sean. Hey, how's it going? Random fact number something. Uh Uh-huh. Super Mario Run came out today, and SBJ is already over it. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a sh- I was told prior, I was told the last couple weeks, this show has been too positive, so I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it down. You guys wrote a bunch of notes here. Like, I feel like you, you, are, you guys are owning the podcast now, so maybe I should let you guys host. But uh, order of business, we got... Should we just get this? We have yeah, like just, we have a lot to do in this show, so I, I want to get through some stuff a little quickly. Do it. But just a preview, a little house cleaning before we start. We're just going to run down a little bit of orders of business, and then most of the show is going to be interaction satisfaction because nice. I, the last episode I was on, I pitched a game, and Alan and Sean said that concept was uh, around the king kingmaker. That is correct. The kingmaker concept, and we got a bunch of emails in. Sean has a bunch, Alan has a bunch, I have a bunch. I don't know if we'll be able to get through all the emails, and some emails are really lengthy. lengthy. So, But that's where we're going to spend the focus of the show, so I think uh, before we, we dive in, just a forewarning of that's what this is going to be about. And uh, I played some stuff recently. I played a lot of stuff, but we probably won't get to that this episode just because the, the Kingsmaker game is going to take up the, the most. But let's start off with... Some really great news. You guys have a contest winner for yeah! the Necroboomicon contest that we ran on Twitter before I left. So we have a winner. We did this Twitter contest. You had to follow the Twitter account at, at PlayTKG. It's been a while. Forgot the, the, your guys' Twitter. Uh, so Welcome back. <laughs> you had to follow the Twitter and then retweet the tweet that had hashtag Necroboomicon. And Sean has our lucky, lucky winner for a copy of Necroboomicon. Our winner is at Smashing Plastic. Your profile reads, I'm just a fat old cardboard game playing Canadian squeezer with aspirations of being a big deal reviewing stuff on the YouTube hashtag Hulk smash. (laughs) We went with uh, lucky number 13 this time. Uh, And what what should they do to get said copy of game? At Smashing Plastic, go ahead and contact us at at uh, contact at TuesdayNightGames.com. I see you live in Australia, so I'll get a copy shipped out to you right away. It should be there in about six to eight months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of Necroboomicon, you guys said something about a Kickstarter. I might have heard the, you know, the old KS kicking around. It's getting close. We're just tidying up the last final few things, like our Kickstarter video. And then we are ready to launch. Any more any more details on that? You'll give us the, the scoop of I know two rooms and a boom is back on Amazon. I don't think it's sold out yet, but Woo! it's moving yet. fast. We had our best sales day ever. In fact, we had our top two sales days ever the first two days we were back. Better than our Gen Con release, better than our Amazon release. Things have been going really well. So things are not sold out, but they are selling quickly for the holidays and you know, final shipping 
is approaching us. Uh, European backers, we're still waiting on your copies to arrive at Amazon.co.uk. It might miss the holidays. We're not sure yet. Everybody else, um, I think Canadians, you can buy buyers from at uh, Board Game Bliss. And uh, everybody else, we're working on an international solution for you as well. For the for the Kickstarter for Necroboomicon, is it possible to get a copy of Two Rooms there, or is it? Are you guys just doing expansion for that? Absolutely, you should be. Well, I don't want to say absolutely, but I'm. We're pretty sure that you should be able to bundle it up and get Two Rooms in a Boom and Necroboomicon. Maybe even bundle it up and get Two Rooms in a Boom World Championship Rush Roulette and Necroboomicon. Whoa! Now you're talking triple bundle. Yeah, a trundle. <laughs> Last order of business is. Cause of Death Ghosts print and play will be coming to the TuesdayNightGames.com relatively soon. Probably by the time you guys hear that, it should be up. Hear this oh, podcast, sweet. it should be up. Yeah. I'm excited. I've already been getting some good feedback from Cause of Death Ghost. So, like, feedback is re- like, you should change this it. or that it's good as it is. It's good as it is. Uh, some play questions, a lot of, I mean, I'll be totally honest, a lot of it was like, hey, Howard, so it's good to get any feedback, and people usually send that at contact at TuesdayNightGames.com, and there are questions like, can we talk while we're passing them out, or can we show anyone our cards? Those are very common questions I received, so that makes me believe, oh, I gotta change that in the rules, so it's very clear. So that any feedback is great, especially if it's about the rules, because now I know what to add in or take out in the rules that I humbly wrote. And you got some pretty good specific, not like feedback, but questions about like, if this is out and this is out, what does this do? And how does that affect this? Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Good stuff. It was like my game of Gen Con and wasn't even for sale at Gen Con. Our games are never for sale at Gen Con. That's what <laughs> we don't makes like us money. so special. Yeah. Money. Ha. Huh. Alan, did you want to preview one of the Necroboomicon cards this episode? Sure. You know what? I always say I'm going to do that, and I always forgot. So we should do that to try to tant- tantalize people. How about the Illuminati? Ooh, that's a Ooh. cool character. The Illuminati character in Necroboomicon is unlike any of the other Two Rooms in a Boom characters because it has two halves of different colors. One half is red, and the other half is blue. So if you show someone one of the halves, you can convince them uh, you're on red team. And then if you color share with the other half, you can convince them that you're on blue team. How does the Illuminati win then? Well, if anyone does a full card share with you, you win right then and there. And everyone else loses right then and there. So it can be a real quick game. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Illuminati is just like the beginning of a trend of incredibly difficult cards that really sort of ratchet up the tension in Necroboomicon. Again, we'll say this a million times, but Necroboomicon is two rooms of a boom on hard mode. Very cool. Like I said, I feel like we're not going to get to table talk because of how many emails we got regarding the Kingsmaker game. So before we go full force into that topic, I just wanted to say, Alan, that you were wrong. I'm not surprised. I'm never really right about many things. I don't know what you're talking about yet, but... <laughs> If one thing time has taught me, it's I'm really wrong a lot. So, so what, one of the, the things I did on my time away was play a lot of Jackbox. Oh, okay. I, I played some other board games, but I'll save those for next week of like our table talk. But I played a lot of Jackbox 3, 
I went into it thinking that it would be the worst of the Jackboxes. You're welcome, sir. You're welcome. Lowering expectations (laughs) is always a good thing. Uh, But I think it's the best of the Jackboxes. Oh, well, look at that. Look at at us agreeing to disagree. (laughs) And I played a lot of a game that you said wasn't really a game and wasn't that fun. TKO, which it was like the most fun I think I've ever had with Jackbox. Well, congratulations. Your group is different than mine. So I think that's a really good point in of itself that different games treat different groups differently. Yeah. TKO is just super fantastic. And the other games, uh, Gespionage, I think is just really good for uh, people that just want the trivia kind of game. Uh, Trivia Murder Murder Party, uh, obviously very good. I think everyone agrees that that's a good game. Quiplash, I could take her leave Quiplash. Oh man, I love Quiplash. But and the last one was faking it, and I hated faking it the first time I played it, but I actually liked it a lot more the second time after I understood like I understood what you had to do as both a not spy and a spy because it doesn't really make that very clear the first time right. you're playing it, especially like right. the the final round. I was like, "Oh, now I understand the final round, which is once that's revealed and you you go back into playing it, it's like, "Okay, cool right because you just especially if you're a spy you just feel like you're at such a disadvantage because you don't know what's actually going to go on the screen or what's not going to go on the screen real quick summary i think jackbox 3 is one of the strongest i think jackbox 2 is not worth buying at all uh and i think jackbox 1 is still good and the reason i say that is because fibbage which is the best part of jackbox 2 is also in jackbox 1 and quiplash which is the second best part of jackbox 2 is in jackbox 3 and the rest of Jackbox 2 is just complete trash. You know what? That's actually, I, I'll agree with you there because, yeah, because you can get the, yeah, that's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's like ear, Earworm or whatever that audio game is. Worst. It's, Horrible. It's just bad. What? What were they thinking? Bidiots is okay, but I'd rather play Drawful. Oh, I enjoy Bidiots. Yeah. I'd rather, I do. Oh, oh. What's the other one, though? The Bomb game. Bomb Corp. Oh, yeah, that's good, though. Bomb Corp is okay, good. but it. It doesn't like fit in a party sense. It doesn't. I think because of the player count. Doesn't. It's like hard capped at five, I think, right? Four. Four. Four? It's hard. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah. So it doesn't really fit in with two, but that in of itself, man, that was it's good stuff. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, to each their own groups. And I'll also say that it's like most games where the first time you play it, you have that learning curve for most of the games. So like I mentioned that with TKO was like the first time we learned it with the timing mechanisms we were upset about that but yeah once you get it get it nice well i'm glad you got to play it man yeah yeah i liked it a lot all right let's uh let's bring some negativity in here (laughs) ruin this game that we thought of on air interaction satisfaction howdy it's time for interaction satisfaction Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. I'm going to... Let's start with Sean and what what email he had written in. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so we got a couple emails in from, uh, I want to say, Joris or Joris Witzenberg. Which we go with? Should we go with Joris? Or should we go with Joris? I think you should go with a very heavy accent and call it Joris. All right, Joris, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we got this email. We got a couple emails from uh, Joris here. Um, 
for first the Kingmaker concept, uh, where he sort of explains, you know, how much he loved the idea and how it got him thinking on his bike ride. And then he follows that up later with, up. Oh, actually, you know, ignore that first email. I was just rambling. Here's an actual print and play prototype. Super nice email. Really glad that we got his uh, gears moving, um, creatively speaking. Um, and I'm just going to summarize his emails because they're a little long. Uh, but basically, it's a five to eight player game. Uh, it's uh, negotiation, social deduction, not really hidden roles, um, but it's sort of a treachery type game. So a lot of backstabbing. Uh, basically, the object of the game is to gain the most influence, which can you know sort of be accomplished by being king, but there are other ways to gain influence as well. First, you select a king at random. Then everyone else is dealt two action cards. Players then uh, vie with the king or queen to be assigned specific roles in the first phase of the game. Presumably, they want the roles that interact with the action cards they've been dealt. So it might be like, if you're the chamber pot boy, you can do this. And if you're the grand vizier, you can do this. So you're sort of like trying to convince the king or queen to assign you the role that you want. Some of these roles have some special powers, but a lot of them don't. Then the king and queen assign roles to all the players. And then the king makes a decree as to who he thinks will end up being those roles at the end of the game. So I might say, like, Alan, you're going to be Grand Vizier, and I think you're going to be Grand Vizier at the end of the game, because there's a lot of trading of roles going on. And then once everyone has a role, you could sort of play action cards that allow you to do things like trade roles with each other, force players to discard cards, steal influence, become king, that kind of thing. And then at the end of the game, when you know players don't want to or have run out of cards to play, you sort of see who has the most influence, and that's the game. As I understood it, I didn't do like a full print and play, print out, play test session or anything like that because we never said we would. But uh, from my reading of it, that seems to be the general premise. Yeah, I, I didn't get to play it either. It's nice that he sent us the files. But my question is for SBJ. Now, what was your original idea that you came to us with in summary? And how do you think this fits into it? The concept was at the start of the game, one person is declared the winner of the game. They're really put in a situation where no matter what everyone does, that person's still going to win. So it is possible for somebody else to win, but it, it's pretty much like the deck is stacked against them and the, that everything is handed to this player that's going to win. And I originally, I wouldn't say, like, I originally got the, the concept from an episode of The Simpsons where it's the same story three times. You just You just see the story from different perspectives like oh here's bart's story and it leads to the conclusion here's lisa's story and it leads to the conclusion and here's homer and marge's and i thought it was interesting that within the first you know five minutes of the show because it's a what a 22 minute show you you know how it's about to end uh but you just receive you you replay everything in a different perspective every time and i didn't know how to put that into a a game mechanic but i thought it was interesting that okay we know what's going to happen at the end of the game now let's kind of see this play out. So how do you think Joris Witzenberg did? I think, I mean, it sounded fine, except like one of my, one of my, one of the walls I put up is that I felt like there are already enough hidden role games on the market. And I, and I didn't want this game to fall into that hidden role game aspect, if you know what I mean. Right. Now it sounded like his wasn't really hidden role, but the cards you had indicated what role you were trying to vie for like if i had a whole bunch of royal vizier cards i'd want that so does that fall under the hidden role his concept's pretty fleshed out i i, I too also haven't haven't played the the game he sent in but yeah i'll circle back to it okay i don't want to spend too much time on we have so many emails but yeah we'll we circle have so back. many yeah yeah you want me to take mine yeah 
So this one's from Becky Crothers, and she, like Earless, sent in actual files. Not that we could print, she just took pictures of hers. And I'll just straight up read her message within 30 seconds, Sean, because he thought it couldn't be done. Becky Crothers writes, Right, I've been listening and thinking about this game idea. This is what I've come, come up with. One person is the determined winner. Everyone has the same, exact same hand of cards, but each of the cards have different symbols, numbers, colors, words, etc. Each card will have a couple of different elements. The determined winner is given specific win criteria of the game, and they'll be able to play their cards in such a way that they can win. So the other players have no idea what the criteria is, so they have to figure out how to beat the winner. So each round, the winner plays one of their cards, and that moves them towards the win criteria. Uh so then after they played their cards, the other players have to try to work out what the win criteria is and play the cards they think will best beat them. So in this way, it sounds like it's kind of like, what's that game? Uh, Mastermind. You guys ever play Mastermind? I love Mastermind. That, that was like my a Hasbro like, game. I, I mean, it might old. be. Actually. It might be. Yeah, it's old, but it's like four colors and it's a code and you, you have to indicate if they've got it right or not kind of thing. But this is what this reminded me of was... Kind of like Mastermind. That was my like, that's like the game that I remember being in the back of the classroom in elementary school. where just like, oh yeah, we just have like four board games. We've got like Clue and it's missing half the cards. And we have a copy of Mastermind, that kind of thing. I like, I like Becky's concept. I don't know if you, if you, as, as the game maker here, Alan and John, I don't know what you guys thought of it besides comparing it to Mastermind. Like, did you like this better or yours is better or... I mean, that's a tough call because we haven't played either. And both of them sound tantalizing to me because Yoris's sounds like Have you guys ever played the drinking game asshole where you start with the king, the king's whoever won the last hand and then the queen's next to him and then it goes down in ranks and then the last person is the asshole. Have you guys ever played this game? I haven't actually. I've heard of it, but I haven't played. I feel like I've played a variation of that, but. It's really simple. All it is, it's a very simple type of bullshit type game. But when you're higher up, you can make a rule up. The king makes a rule that everyone has to abide by. And anyone that's a lower rank than you, you can treat like shit, basically. And that's kind of the fun of the game is that everyone has to yell at the asshole. And uh, like there's a waterfall maneuver and I don't even drink. So it, I, it was still fun in a mean way, which normally isn't my style, but I only played it with apple juice back when I was in high school. It's pathetic that sounds. But anyways, that's what yours has sounded like. So I don't know. Mastermind versus asshole. I really don't know. I really don't know, but right. I am curious to try both of them. All right. Let's let's stack on top of that again. Okay. Well, the great thing about this is how different all these emails are. Totally different. This one's from Rick. Huge. Hi, guys. I thought the game discussion about SBJ's game was super interesting. Being curious about how the process works, but never have done it, never have done it myself. It definitely got me thinking on how such a game could work. One uh, concept that I had was a deck of win, win conditions for the game or hidden goals. That might be something like whomever has the most red cards win or whoever has the most yellow cards without having any blue cards win. The one player, the winner, gets to pick a win condition and then pass out hands such as that if the game were to end right then, they'd be the winner. The job of the other players is to deduct what 
the goal is and change their hands before some sort of countdown reaches the end. Maybe they reach the end of the game with multiple times and the winner tells them whether or not they've changed the outcome. And if not, they rewind to the start. This would be a one versus many. Might also have some way to have everyone work together to figure out the win conditions and stop the selected person from winning. Thanks for the podcast, Rick. So that one sounds a lot more like Becky's as far as definitely have a goal, but still different in how it mechanically goes out. Less fleshed out, though. Definitely a lot more amorphous, like, how about this or maybe this? Yeah, they also included, like, the the rewinding time, which I think is the first of the three to mention that. No, I, I like the concept of, like, the winner has the advantage because they picked what they how they want to win based on the cards dealt. Yeah. I didn't uh, know we'd have so many extra emails that weren't in the Google Doc, so I was wondering if I could jump in and read Greg Fenske's idea because I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Greg says, you've opened a floodgate. What if the game is about a goblin who has a time travel device that has X charges on it and discovered Goblin Paradise, a fireworks warehouse next to an all-you-can-eat buffet? Anywho, there is something bad happening, and you're going to survive no matter what, and you want to bring your goblin pals with you. So each time you try and bring a few more, question mark, I got nothing on mechanics. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good theme. I love theme first ideas. Theme first ideas are so fun. (laughs) <laughs> I like it too because this theme first idea like normally you get a weird wonky convoluted theme like Greg had because of mechanics it's like well the mechanics of the game are like this so you know the theme has to do all this sort of like backwards contortionist sort of moving but his is already wonky as hell before you add any gameplay mechanics at all into it <laughs> it's so specific I love that's the, what I like you are going to survive no matter what <laughs> you just want to bring your goblin pals with you Oh man, so I kind of want to like put that above my bedroom door, like every morning wake up, and it just says, "You're going to survive, no matter what." Just, <laughs> just try like, to bring as many goblin pals with you. <laughs> <laughs> I have another email, but Alan, do you want to read another one? Actually, I love Greg's follow up. <laughs> Greg writes me on Facebook a lot, and he says, "You guys should hire a podcast intern to take notes on all mentioned games and include them in the show notes." Just a simple BGG link and who mentioned it. Those cheeky youngins at S shut up and sit down do it. And I believe you guys shouldn't be upstage by these whippersnappers. Hashtag? So random, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, MK, uh, yeah, SBJ. Why don't you get on that? Hey, they said yeah. hire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish we were that cool. All right. I got an email from Jeremy. Uh, I had a suggestion for SBJ's idea for a game free. Have it be poker hands where the winner starts off with five kings or such for a hand and deals the rest out to people. And the cards that are used in the the deck determine the only way they can win is with a flush. And there to be rules about how people move cards around. Each round, everyone fiddles with their cards. They are able to lock a card. They are able to lock a card down face up. The king player will have actions that they can do to prevent people's shenanigans, but once used, cannot be repeated. Like, for example, select an opponent's face-down card. It cannot be traded this turn. So I think this is kind of interesting because that's sort of like how I worked on my games that I designed, which is just like trading cards around, moving cards around, that kind of stuff. The thing I think we're hearing, we're not hearing, which, Alan, you brought up on the first email, is... None of the games, even though their mechanics are sometimes a, a weird theme, are evoking that feeling of 
you know how the story is going to end and now can you see if it plays out can you can you see if there's anything you can do to stop it this sort of oedipal fate stopping sort of gameplay and i know that's really hard to do we're seeing a lot of games that have this factor of you know who's the winner and you are going to try and make them the loser which is totally fine um but none of that sort of i don't want to say dread but that sense of foreboding, like we know how this is going to play out. And then that ex- exploration of, and how did we get here? I loved how you like laid that out. Cause I think that made what I was initially trying to pitch more clear. These, these concepts, while they're all fantastic, I don't want to like say like, uh, no, no one's hitting the nail on the head here, but uh, because they've, they've all been fantastic. I think that they might be just a little bit too simple to achieve what you just stated, Sean. Well, Alan, you've got this one from Will here that, that kind of reminds me of that. Do you want to read that one? Sure. Will Bowler, is he gives some rough ideas for the game, and he says there's two potential routes for the game idea. A worker placement style game. There are multiple scoring winning conditions. The game start out with one or two chosen by one player, and that player is the designated winner. And that player gets an advantage in those areas. The game ensues. On certain rounds, other scoring win conditions can be added if players choose to activate those spaces. Doing so uses up one of their actions, putting that player at a disadvantage so that round but can shift the winner. But anyways, I think the one you're really pointing to, Sean, was his second idea, which is similar to Tragedy Looper, but themed with a dictator and time-traveling rebels. He says it could be possibly legacy-ish so that you play round after round after round. But basically... That's tragedy loopers where you know what's going to happen and you just have to reset Which it. We already said was the closest. I feel like to that 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 core concept that SBJ was talking about, right? Right, absolutely. Such a good game. It's almost like you would you would need those moments state like laid out in the game of maybe not rounds, but like a check and balance of. Okay, at the end of this situation, we're going to check if the winner is still winning. Okay, yes, they are. And it's, it's almost like, okay, there's going to be three or four of these checks before end game. Almost, almost in the sense of like Ticket to Ride, where you can see the score currently. I think that helps with the, the reinforcement that the game told us this person was going to win. And every time we get to one of these checkpoints, the game is reinforcing that they're still winning. And what are we going to do about this? It's interesting you mentioned that because Andrew Baker just flat out said, uh, Red 7 is a game where the player to your right is winning. And if you aren't winning by the end of your turn, you're out of the game. Have you guys ever played, played Red 7? No. no. Is that what it's like? Yeah, it is. It's basically someone's always winning. The, so you have to play a card and then you're winning. And then it just kind of cascades waterfall style that if you can't trump them, you're out. If you can't, you're out. And it just goes around. So if it comes back to you and you're still winning, you just won the game. So it seems like card based reversed um, musical chairs almost like there's only spot for one. And at any given point, as you know, you're booting somebody out every turn with um, musical chairs. But this kind of reminds me of that. It's good. It's basically like Uno, but Mm. every color and number has a different win condition. So, you know, one card may say, if you have the highest number, you're winning. And then you play a card that has a higher number, 
or a different color. And then it says, oh, whoever has the lowest green is winning. You know, so it's it's bizarre. And it's been years since I've played it. But I just remember every turn, the rules just change based upon what card was played last. Something I've noticed, and I don't know anything about any of these people who wrote in emails and like what their game design background is. But something I always struggle with a lot is sort of like a new game designer is a lot of my ideas pull a bunch of mechanics from other games. And they say, it's a, it's a game kind of like this, but with this kind of mechanic. And what I'm learning now is like really great games start with, I don't want to say totally unique, but this like really unique take or a really unique core mechanic that the, that the thing at the middle is what makes it interesting. Like for two rooms at a I think it's that there are two separate rooms. Like that's the core mechanic that we try to play with are how do you do a hit and roll game when you don't even have access to half the people in the game? And then we expand on that with some other things like no moderator, time limits, that kind of stuff. Um, but what makes two rooms of them different is the fact that there are two rooms, right? Wouldn't you say, Alan? Yeah, it's different. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I run into that a lot where like I start, I kind of nibble around the edges where I say like it could be kind of like a legacy game and that's awesome for brainstorming i'm not trying to shoot down anything like this but it's something that i've noticed is that the really great game ideas generally start with like this very solid core mechanic and then sort of see where that goes so would you say that the game i pitched my the game i pitched wasn't really a mechanic it was more of a like a a theme almost right absolutely Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an oversimplification, but I believe most games either start with idea of a mechanic or an idea or an idea with a theme. And yours definitely started with the idea of the theme. Would and you, you hint at sort of a, a mechanic almost by saying, like, either, you know, how it's going to end or, you know, what the winner is. So there's some limitations there on what the mechanics can be. This is why it's always hard starting with a theme, I think, because. Or like everybody who's emailed us, we're trying to fit in mechanics that sort of feel like that theme, um, but we don't know if we have one yet. The exciting thing is, with all these different ideas, I'm loving to hear if these ideas work out for the individuals. Because last episode, Sean, you and I talked about playtesting and some playtesting advice. I'm not sure if any of those individuals that wrote in are going to listen to that episode and apply that advice, but... There's a big part of me that hopes so and, and hopes that we hear back from them on how it went and how brutal it can be, because I just remember those growing pains of making first games and having them be destroyed or loved and praised and dying or being birthed. It's it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. And I just absolutely I, I love the idea that we inspired some or SBJ did rather. So it's really cool. Yeah, to everybody who wrote in, either with an idea, something as small as an idea, or something as big as like a fully, you know, print and playable thing, I really encourage you to start getting some play testing for that. Um, see what you can do. Take it to the next level. Um, like Alan said, that play testing episode I think is a really great place to start uh, for sure. And I, I, I definitely hope that we can do more things like this in the future, where we can maybe plant some seeds and then do more episodes about how you take those sort of ideas that you have or those those concepts for mechanics. And then develop that into something fully realized. Yeah, I was I was really happy with with how well that episode was received of just like pitching this concept to you guys. Uh, and I think that we saw that earlier in our show when we were joking about Cause of Death Ghost, and then Alan made it into a reality. But 
one could argue that that kind of started with a theme, and you, Alan, went ahead and turned that into a pretty awesome game. Absolutely, yeah. You said that should be the name of your next game, and you said you like drafting games, so boom! Drafting and hit and roll. There you go, with the theme. <laughs> Made for you, SBJ. It's a symbol of my love. But it, what is the secret? Like, maybe, like... You haven't told us that you technically made that game for like months and you just slapped a name on it and called it a day? Or was that something that... Can you walk me through that creative process just a little bit? Just because we're on the topic of, hey, here's a theme, here's a concept, and you guys just finished that episode of how how to make a game. Or not make a game, but just... I'm worried it won't be as satisfying as you want because there's something that I call the creative ripple, and I'm sure other people call it that as well, where you get inspiration from all over the place and you may not even know where it's coming from. You ever notice that there's movies that are very similar that come out at the same time, like A Bug's Life came out the same time Ants did and Dante's Inferno came out the same as Volcano and I'm dating myself here. I'm trying to think of more current movies. and the... Uh, other magic movie the illusionist yeah yeah exactly right exactly and so there's creative ripple because i doubt these movie companies thought we need to make the same movie that that other company's making no that makes you're no way sense. less cynical than i am <laughs> i think that's oh, really? exactly what happened i think one of them said like we put marketing budget into this these movies are going to be hot this year they're going to do an apocalypse movie let's do a deep impact movie and see if we can sort of get half the market share in that. That's my like totally cynical point of view. Maybe that's the case, but that's definitely not where I came from because I really just rode this inspirational wave that really came from you and possibly from other sources because you said cause of death ghost should be the name of our next game. I was like, Oh, what kind of theme would that be? And I had, I had in my mind some type of drafting game and adding in the hidden role element, but it wasn't something that was hashed out at all. And I remember I actually called up Sean and I said, hey, I've been thinking about this game and I know someone else was thinking about a drafting game that had a hidden role element to it. And so I explained to Sean basically cause of death ghost and I said, is that game similar to this other person's game, which I've never played, but Sean had played. And Sean said, no, that's totally different. And so I said, sweet, then this is the game. And it's kind of the same way that I came up with the game storyboard, which we mentioned last time, because I was taught the game Dixit by a gentleman who was working at the Asmo Day booth when Dixit was brand new. And his English was pretty horrible. And he said, in this game, you uh, tell a story and then there is um, uh, a goal. You don't want everyone to get your story because then you get no points. And that was basically it. And I thought he was describing this game about you actually each tell a part of a story. And then once we started playing the game, I was like, oh, this isn't anything what I thought he was explaining. But wait. Does that mean that game doesn't actually exist? Because that game sounded awesome. (laughs) So I just went home and made storyboard. And similarly, once I realized like cause of death ghost, oh man, it would be awesome if it was ghost themed and drafting can roll. 
uh, Sean, you played a game that had drafting hidden role. This is what I'm thinking. Is it like, and nope, sweet. So this game should be made. So that was basically the process. So it started off more mechanically from something else, but then the theme was the creative creative ripple wave that I rode to completion. If that makes sense, SPJ. And I know that's not really satisfying because I can't exactly say it was this moment at this time when I realized this should be this. I think what might be interesting in a future episode, um, there's this huge, like if you're, if you write a lot um, and you know about three act structure, the second act is always the hard one because that's where everything happens. Coming up at the beginning is fun and coming up with the ending. A lot of people have before they even start, but then getting from point A to point B is the hard part. And I think in game design, you have a lot of that too, where you come up, you know, once you're publishing, it's it's certainly hard, but a lot of the decisions have been made. The game is done. Before that, though, you've got the initial inspiration. Maybe things are coming together. But there are some games, um, I could think of one for you, Alan, and, you know, some that I'm working on, that you get them to a place and they just need a lot of work. Um, or you play them for a while and you play test them and you have to go back to the drawing board. And I'd be interested to do an episode about how you design a game where things aren't just like coming together, where it's like, okay, now I got to retool this. Okay. Um, how do I balance that? Like these, these sort of bigger design challenges you face in the middle of like a long design season. Does that make sense? I mean, it does for me because two rooms in a boom was lightning in a bottle where all we did after we came up with the initial concept was polish here, sand a little bit here, play test, tweak. But of course, it was, had new roles. Yeah, but the original first time we played Two Rooms in a Boom, totally recognizable to the Two Rooms in a Boom nowadays. And I guess right. that, going back to what I originally said, SBJ, and I apologize, is I can't say that I totally came up with the game because of the cause of death ghost theme. But I also can't say that I already came up with the game and just tacked on the theme. It was some sweet amalgamation of the two. That's really ambiguous. So it doesn't have one of these definite finite stories like two rooms in a boom or the ones that Sean just mentioned where it's not lightning in a bottle. It's ugly. It's dirty. And you really work and you try to fill in the middle. No, I think that's a, I think that's an acceptable answer. I have a million follow-up questions, but I'm going to ask you just one because I don't want this podcast to go on forever. Go looking back at like two rooms in a boom or cause of death ghost, specifically cause of death ghost, I guess when I was pitching it to people, when you, so you gave me the, you gave me the demo copy at Gen Con and I went around and as we've joked about before, I had a giant posse following me around at Gen Con and like, I was like, Hey, do you want to play this new game? It's called cause of death ghost. And usually one of the first questions that came up, and this comes up with almost a lot of board games when you're playing with a group who, you know, knows board games, they usually say, oh, like, what is it like? And you can say something like, oh, it's a hidden role game, but drafting. But more times than not, you usually say it's like this game plus this game. And I think that's that's used a lot in the board gaming world of, oh, it's it's like the resistance, but with Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I and that's you that's usually what gets a pass of describing a game to somebody, and it and they usually go, oh, that clicks. Uh, but with Cause of Death Ghost, it was very hard for me to explain it. Except, you know, I said, hey, you, it it really only takes a couple minutes. If you don't like it, no big deal. We can just wrap up and play something else. And everyone seemed to really like it. But does, as game designers, do you 
do you take pride or do you enjoy or do you try to build a game around avoiding that concept of oh my game's like ticket to ride but dominion also like does that bother you when because you kind of touched on it earlier that some games are just other games but are tried to be made better and sometimes that doesn't make them that concept alone doesn't make them unique enough or strong enough to stand out among the hundreds of board games that hit Kickstarter a month? I think the answer, it really depends because sometimes that can help your pitch. Because if you say, this is just like this game and like this game, and it makes total sense, like, oh my goodness, and it clicks in someone's mind because it makes perfect clarity, then that's good because then they understand the game before and it makes it easier to teach it. So do we seek that out? No, not necessarily. When we're marketing it, we do like if we're running a Kickstarter, we want our audience to know, like, if you like this game and you like this game, you'll like our game. It's a good cultural reference point for sure. But maybe not in the design process. No, that's right. We even say two rooms and boom. If you like werewolf and the resistance, then you're going to love two rooms. And like, that's what we say. But realistically, we definitely don't want someone to say, oh, this is the resistance with Hitler. Right. Yeah. Unless you were to say something really like you know, this is the Dominion killer or something like that. Like you sort of have to take it all with like a grain of salt. Like it's good to be positioned somewhere, but yeah, you definitely don't want to be known as like, it's just this other game, but a little different. And so if you like that game, go for it. Like, I, I think we really want to pride ourselves on being unique and creative. Yeah. I, get, I, I mean, I feel like it's the easy way out to take a game, like maybe smash up and go, I'm just going to make that, but just, all the cards are going to be different and different rules, and therefore it's going to be a different game. Whereas the reason I like Cause of Death Ghost so much is because I feel like it's not similar to anything on my shelf, and therefore I want to get it to the table more often. And this, I mean, here's, this has been like a, here's an a example. secret secret messaging and getting people to download the print and play. <laughs> no, but I really do like Cause of Death Ghost, but go on with your example. Well, it's just that we all know and love Sushi Go, right? Is that can we agree on that? Yeah, Sushi Go is a solid game. Absolutely. Well, I have no desire, and I'm actually pissed at the game that's called Sushi Draft. Have you guys heard of Sushi Draft? Yes. No. Yes. It's a game called Sushi Draft, and it's all about making sushi, and I'm assuming it involves drafting. I have no idea. It could just be a marketing mishap. But at the same point, there's already that pride there with Sushi Go. So when Sushi Draft comes out afterwards, you think, what the fuck, man? Trying to muscle in on Sushi Go? Don't do that. But maybe Sushi Draft even came first, but I don't know. So we definitely never want anything remotely close to that happen. So there is definitely a desire to be as different as possible. And I know I'm just rehashing what we already said, but... Can Can I put you on a spot with a question? Yeah, always. Uh, is is that if our listeners listen to our live show at Gen Con, I brought up a game. I can't even remember it. Happy Salmon. I brought Happy up Happy Salmon, Salmon and yeah. I loved it. I thought it was super great. And you, Alan, had a bit of in your tone when I brought it up. And yeah, you, yeah, that's you true. compared it to your game, Woo Wee, which I've never played. I have not played it. I know the print and play exists, right. but I haven't played it. So uh, my first experience was was Happy Salmon. 
But from my understanding, they're extremely similar games. But and, and you could correct me because again, I haven't played. I don't yours. think they are. Well, most people don't think they are. My emotional reaction was that I was worried people would have that attitude towards Wii that I have towards Sushi Draft. I was just worried that people would think it was too similar. And I've asked everyone, and they say no, they're definitely different enough from each other. But of course, everyone I ask knows that I made the game. So there's still that paranoia in there, but most people say totally different. Uh, Woo Wee has a lot different mechanics. It's definitely, I hate saying heavier, but it's longer, has a higher player count, and you're doing a lot of different stuff. So Yeah, similar genre for sure. If you like one, I think you like the other, but there's room for both of these games. This is not the same game by any means. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely more difference between Sushi, uh, sorry, Happy Salmon and Woo Wee than there is difference between Dominion and Thunderstone or Dominion and even Ascension, I think. So uh, that comparison made me feel a lot better being told, hey, it's way different from Happy Salmon than Dominion is from what I just said, Ascension. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Interesting enough. I think that's Let's wrap it up. Yeah, I think that's really our show. I know you guys played stuff, but maybe maybe we'll talk about that next week. I know Alan al- always has stuff being played, but always. Uh, any, like it's my job. <laughs> any anything else you guys want to close on before I uh, before I wrap up here? Did I say I missed you? Yes. Did I say that already? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, then I Go think about germs and a boom or pre-order World Championship Restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Also, if you if if you have any more concepts or thoughts based on what we expanded on with the the Kingmaker, feel free to email us at uh, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Like we, can, we can probably... Oh, man, Captain Chessbeard's back, too. <laughs> we can probably revisit that if we... Like, we got a bunch of stuff, and we shortened some of the emails just for time, but uh, we can probably revisit that again and see if... Or maybe, you know, in two weeks, Alan clicked and thought of something and wanted to expand upon it but yeah i think that's uh that's that's a topic we can come back to uh, hopefully it was well received or this podcast was well received based on that initial concept but um alan where can our listeners find you you can find me on the tweets i'm at alan girding a-l-a-n-g-e-r ding and i'm also on the facebook so send me your friend request yeah. and sean you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-I. Awesome. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. And you can also, like I said, email the podcast po- podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Follow the podcast on or the you can follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter at Play P-K-G. And like I said earlier, you should be able to download the print and play copy of Cause of Death Ghost on TuesdayNightGames.com by the time Ooh. this episode is up. And Ooh. and I, full di- full disclosure here, I will tell Alan when a game sucks. I'm not afraid to do that. True. But I sincerely do love Cause of Death Ghost, and my friends who all played it at Gen Con with me. They all loved it, too. So hopefully you guys enjoy the print and play once it's up, and we and I'm sure Alan would love to hear your guys' feedback. Truth. So yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think this episode is... You do it, SBJ. Finish...
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>